0: Welcome to The Kitchen Stories, the Jewish Museum and Archives of British Columbia's podcast about all things food. I'm your host, Leanna Glass. One of the big ideas here at The Kitchen Stories is that talking about food inevitably leads to talking about much more. We've seen how food preserves history and memories, and how we use it to express our values and communicate love or solidarity. It's also an effective agent of social change. Food gets people through the door, metaphorically and literally, and provides opportunities for connection once inside. Today's episode is about two organizations, one close to home and the other all the way across the pond whose work involves creating inclusive spaces and building community for LGBTQ plus Jews and often using food to make it happen. First up, I spoke to Carmel Tanaka, a community engagement pro based in Vancouver.
1: My name is Carmel Tanaka. I was born in Vancouver, BC on the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Slavel Tooth. I was born into a family uh, where on My mom is an Ashkenazi Israeli and my father is a Japanese Canadian. I identify as a person of Japanese heritage, um, someone who has both
0: Japanese and Jewish ancestry. Carmel wears many different hats in her work. One of them is as executive director of JQD Vancouver, which she founded in 2018.
1: J Cutie is a Jewish queer and trans nonprofit dedicated to creating connections and seeking space to celebrate our intersectional identities as Jews of all ages, diverse sexual orientations, as well as gender and sex identities. And we do this by queering Jewish space and Jewifying Queer Space in Vancouver. And uh, we initially started as a group of volunteers who were planning um, the Jewish pride celebrations uh, from July to August, 2018. When we hosted something called the Shabbat dinner with pride colors, it was the a huge community-wide celebration. Some would argue it was the first because it was community-wide. There had been a sprinkle of some Jewish institutions supporting um, Jewish pride events prior to that, but you know, there was a handful versus the 31 Jewish organizations that were on board that year. It was uh, an incredible Shabbos held at Van Dusen Gardens. It sold out. There were people at the door trying to get in. And, you know, it was, it was incredible because we completely broke the fire code and all. And after the event, many of us realized, you know, we're not just LGBTQ for one week during Pride season in August, we are LGBTQ for 365 days of the year. And so this is what um, led to the group continuing to meet on a monthly basis, and it grew into today's organization, JQD Vancouver.
0: JQD's gatherings often involve food. Sometimes it's just there as a snack, and other times it's the main event. In the before days, when we were able to come together, um...
1: Many of our events did focus on food, and we focused initially on again a tight budget because we were just starting up and we didn't have a lot of funds in the bank, and we still don't. Um, but we did what we could to uh, bring symbolic foods for Pesach. Uh, we did a, a drink cocktail as well for for Pesach, and it was it was fantastic. That was led by uh, Alicia and Shira, and. Then we did apples and honey dipping, and for Rosh Hashanah we did um, apple cake or honey cake. Yeah, just breaking bread together. I think for, for many that was uh, very important.
0: During the COVID pandemic, JQD has had to shift gears and find ways to connect safely, including through online food-focused offerings. One of these was a challah baking workshop led by Idan Chabosov. Known as the Hala prince, he's a queer Israeli Hala artist based in Berlin until recently, whose elaborately braided creations have garnered a huge social media following.
1: I had been sent a link to his Instagram account and, and someone had asked from the JQD community, do you know this person? as if I know all the queer people who are Jewish around the world. But I didn't know this person, but I sent him a message and I said, hi, my name is Carmel. I'm with JQD Vancouver, a Jewish queer trans group. Um, Would you like to do an event with us? And he was just at the beginning of becoming famous. He uh, had, I guess acquired some something like ten thousand followers, or maybe twenty thousand by then. Um, he was on Chef Jamie Geller's show, um, and he, like me, were just starting up with our various organizations, and we wanted to support one another. And he said, "Of course." And I remember stopping to have a conversation with him. I was driving, and I stopped on Beach Avenue, right at the bend where the Pride Parade. Uh, traditionally would have walked through. And I'm on video chat with him and I'm showing him Beach Avenue, English Bay, and explaining to him the event, our pride event that we had, where one of our JQD um, donors opened up their, their space in order for us to have a bird's eye view, front row, front seat um, view of the parade coming in just as it uh, enters the Sunset Beach Festival. And we connected and we had such a great uh, rapport so early on that I said, look, I'd love to have you for Rosh Hashanah. I'd love for you to, to show us your love of challah, but also uh, to share with us your story of being a gay Jewish man. And he said, I would love to do that. I've never shared publicly my story of coming out and what my experience was living in Israel. Um, and then living in Berlin. And it was a very intimate conversation. And I, I still get emails from people saying, you know, the first time I've ever made challah was because I watched this program with J Cutie and the challah Prince, and I felt inspired to do so.
0: Being able to connect with a wider community across Canada and internationally has been a silver lining of this past year.
1: I, I didn't realize the 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 effect that this program would have. We had thousands of views. Um, You know, JQD started in Vancouver and is very Vancouver-centric and has since grown to, to not only cover BC, but during the pandemic, we are now covering Canada and we have gone international. And what we didn't realize at the time is that while we're not the first Jewish LGBTQ nonprofit to have ever been in Canada, we are still the only Jewish um LGBTQ nonprofit um in operation today. Unfortunately, the one before us, Kulanu, is no longer um, a nonprofit and has since disbanded. And it's shocking to us that in all of Canada there's only one Jewish LGBTQ nonprofit. Now there are groups who are Jewish and LGBTQ, but they're supported by their local JCC. We we are not. We are independent and we are here on the West Coast. And we've been able to connect with, quote unquote, our equivalents in each city in North America, as well as in Berlin. And that has been incredible because we can Support one another. We can share the work that we're doing, and we can partner, and we and so there's more resources to go around. It's beautiful.
0: In her work locally, Carmel has come up against some challenges around inclusion and representation. In the early days
1: of JQD partnering with various different Jewish mainstream institutions, you know, we would ask uh, for event descriptions on Facebook to be more inclusive and have more inclusive language. Um, such as this is a queer-friendly event, or there are non-gendered washrooms on site, or there are gendered washrooms on site. This would indicate to us that they did think about it. Yes, the venue is not ideal, but you can then, the the LGBTQ community can then plan in advance where they're going to use the washroom, whether before after or during. And We also noticed that there is no information on accessibility. Now, a lot of people in the Jewish, or at least in the LGBTQ community, uh, have accessibility requests too. We want to know, is this wheelchair accessible? Um, Is there loud noise? Are you going to be um, frisked at the door because there's a guard? Um, Is the, the security guard... Uh, trained uh, with LGBTQ sensitivity, you know, is there a choice between a male guard and a female guard? And these are just very simple, basic things that were not happening. These discussions were were not being made. And so in the early days, when I say early days, it's only three years ago, um, these were the conversations we were starting to have to to make events and our partnerships um,
0: more inclusive. These challenges highlight the need for JQT and its mission of queering Jewish spaces and Jewifying queer spaces.
1: Queering Jewish spaces uh, has not come easily. Um, It is a work in progress and it requires listening. And if you don't have a partner to listen uh, to your needs, and we're not asking that all of our lists be accommodated, uh, but there to be an intention to to have dialogue and to find the ways in which we can um, progress together. I mean, that's all we're asking for. We we know Rome wasn't built in one day and we don't expect it to be so. You know, discussion on diversity and inclusion in the Jewish community has been happening um, in the States and back east, and it, it has now started to trickle to Vancouver, but it's still slow. And what I'm noticing is Um, It's very easy for uh, the Jewish institutions here to invite speakers from back east and in the states to talk about uh, Jews of color, to talk about um, a lot of these issues um, instead of inviting local voices, uh, because that would require them to actually listen and to be held accountable for the fact that there haven't been enough attempts uh, to actually show that their spaces are inclusive uh, towards a variety of different marginalized Jews. We're talking about LGBTQ Jews. Um, we're talking about Jews of color, uh, non halakhically Jewish Jews. So those who are not patrilineally Jewish, uh, disabled Jews. I mean, the list can go on and on and on. Uh, these are the groups that collectively now, um, I don't know the full stats, but I keep hearing rumor that These Jewish people now are the majority of the Jewish community and there's a huge cry in the Jewish uh, mainstream institutional world that they don't have enough Jews um, and that they need to find a way in order to bring Jews in. You bring Jews in by opening your doors and having a very large tent and one that is inclusive of all
0: Jews. JQD's efforts to address these challenges have been making change happen. As a fundraiser early on, they sold rainbow challah, donated by Chef Menachem Peretz, at the Jewish Community Center.
1: I rented a table in the atrium and I put, you know, overflowing uh, on the table all of these rainbow chalot with an apricot glaze that's very important to note. And it was interesting, you know, you have JQD's sign, it's obviously queer, very in-your-face um, and we're, we just sat there waiting for people on a Friday morning to to buy the chalot for later that evening. Those who understood that this was a Jewish queer trans organization immediately were in support and said, I'll buy two. Those who, that it wasn't as obvious to them that we were an LGBTQ group would come up and ask us, what is this? And the question was more, I think, a concern, a lot of older Jewish buffies were uh, more concerned about the co- the food coloring that was being used, but wanted to know why it's rainbow. And that gave us the opportunity to say that we are a Jewish LGBTQ group, the rainbow is the pride flag, and we wanted to bring together our Jewish and LGBTQ identities, please help support our group as we raise money to launch our events. Um, And here you get a beautiful challah for your Shabbos table later this evening. And, you know, I could see the twinkle in some of their eyes being like, Oh, very interesting. You know, this is the first time we see this here. We're like, yep, pretty sure it's the first time that you're having a Jewish queer group in the lobby right now. That's selling rainbow And that that helps we only had one or two people who this really challenged their values to have an lgbtq group right in the middle of the atrium but you know whether it was people who were coming from their their gym class or coming out of mahjong or whatever activity they were doing at the j um we we definitely got support and a lot of um Praises for Kolakavad, you're doing great. Aside from the rainbow chalot, we arrived again um, a few months later for Purim, and we were selling rainbow-glittered hamantashen. By this point, people were a little bit more aware of who we were and weren't surprised that there was a Jewish LGBTQ group and just like with the Rainbow Chalot, which I forgot to tell you, we sold out in under two hours. I was expecting that, to be there all day to sell 40 Chalots, but in the end, it wasn't just being sold out, but a lot of people paid more and donated more than what the Chalot actually were. So it was fantastic. Same thing with the Hamantaschen, we sold out as well. And it was wonderful to have uh, kids be able to see that there's a Jewish LGBTQ group. Visibility is very important. Um, so
0: Queering Jewish space can happen, and one of the ways can be with food. The positive impact of JQD's work and presence in the community shows up in other ways as well.
1: There's people who who now... Uh, know that we exist and and keep saying oh I wish I had this when I was younger or oh I can be involved with this now because you've got online programming and it wasn't safe for me to be on public transportation because I'm visibly trans looking and I couldn't have never have done that from living in um, the valley coming into to Vancouver proper there's there's so many areas that we see positive impacts and one of the events um not events, rather a project that we're working on and is in partnership with the Jewish Museum is uh, the Jewish Queer Trans Oral History Project called On The Record. And it's been very healing for a lot of the LGBTQ Jews, especially who are 65 and over, who are elders in our community, who one, uh, have lived during a time when it was illegal to be gay or lesbian, and uh, know that there is such a Jewish LGBTQ nonprofit today that is in existence and is doing well, um, and that there are younger people who are interested in hearing of their stories. You know, there's it's the good, the bad, and the ugly for sure. There's been very difficult moments in uh, BC's Jewish LGBTQ history, um, but we've been here. We. Uh, have always been here and we will always be here. One of the most beautiful um, events that I feel like we've been a part of of Queering Jewish Space and that was Purim Drag Storytime with the Jewish uh, Public Library. And uh, we knew we did something well when a young child comes up to us and says, can I introduce you to Minersha? and the uh, non-binary drag performer, who I invited to, to do the reading and I, we, we said, oh, who's Minersha? And this kid said, oh, Minersha is my drag character. And I, well, of course we laugh. And I say, well, when did you develop Minersha? Like when, when did Minersha come into being? And this kid says, Um, Oh, you know, several years ago. I mean, like this child is just a few years old anyways. (laughs) So I can't imagine um, it being any earlier. But uh, I have since heard that this was such an incredible event uh, for this kid uh, to validate um, the fact that they are a member of the LGBTQ community and to be able to visibly see a non-binary a uh, drag performer as inspiration that we we do exist we are here and and there are role models and it's okay to be who you are um, and the jewish community has got you and that there's a jewish lgbtq group who's definitely got you um, for us that was all we needed
0: Our next guests spoke to me from all the way in Glasgow, Scotland, where they're hard at work renovating the space that will become De Roseve Pave, or the Pink Peacock.
2: Um, My name is Joe Isaac, my pronouns are he, him. I'm one of the co-founders
3: of the project. Hello, my name is Ellen Jones, Uh, they, them pronouns. Uh, I am a board member for the Pink Peacock.
2: It's a queer Yiddish anarchist vegan Pay can cafe. I think I've got all the things um, that is opening soon in in uh, Glasgow. Um, it's it's something we've been working on for a long time. It started out as just us um, making food out of our out of our out of our, um, our kitchen and our flat and, and doing some kind of pay you can deliveries to the local area. And um, we've done a crowdfunder, so we've got lots of money and support from the, the local queer and Jewish kind of anarchist community. Um, which has been great, and now we're now we're at the stage of of um of actually building the physical space itself. We also do lots of like online community stuff. We do lots of events, and, and we do lots of yeah community groups.
0: The cafe celebrates and makes space for the various identities of its community, but some of the factors that led to its creation stem from those same identities being excluded from existing and more traditional spaces.
3: There are Jewish spaces and there are queer spaces, but there is. In both of those instances, there is a huge amount of Jewish and queer people who are just left out of the situation. A lot of queer spaces are very adult orientated and are very alcohol focused. So, you know... That doesn't um, serve the entirety of the community. No, it doesn't. And, and in the same way in Jewish spaces, there is, um, there is a, a certain attitude, isn't there? Where there are, there are a lot of Jewish people who say, ah, mm. oh, um, converts or or have uh, less traditional Jewish roots mm. or have very conflicting attitudes about what their Jewishness means. And what we try to do is create a space for those people who feel left out. It's considering different kinds of barriers to, to, to the space that
2: could exist and then addressing them. I, I feel confident that we can make something that's not just like good (laughs) but it is 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 better you know know what i mean it's like it's 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 not a case necessarily for me of not feeling welcome in this place or that place although that's the motivation right but like it's 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 a case of just like i I don't know we we we've been we've been doing this for a bit it's it's like a, a good example would be the it's with the accessibility stuff Or or even the pay what you can stuff. Just the the learning curve of being told every like a lot of the steps of the way that like this is going to be too hard to do, or it's it won't be sustainable, or blah blah blah. And it's like actually, just if you just do it, if you if you if you stop if you stop like getting in your head about oh you know it'll cost too much to make a space accessible, you know it'll it'll cost too much to or, or no no one will donate to something because it's pay what you can. It's like it's like just if you just try it and you do it. You, 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 really, you, you realise that it's, it's, it's actually not it's, not it's not hard, it's not too hard to make something better than, than what you've been told is, 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 is the acceptable, you know, quality.
0: The visibility of a space like the Pink Peacock and the work that goes on there have the power to lead to better accessibility and inclusion in society generally. But LM emphasised that making a space that's explicitly for their community is more than just a stepping stone until that happens.
3: I don't think it's a healthy attitude to, um, like, pine for a utopian sort Mm, of idea where everyone gets along and everyone's is welcome and everyone's accepted. I think it's much more um, helpful to kind of not lower your expectations, but to just start off with a a tangible idea. Like, what if every Thursday there was a place I could go and and play a board game with exclusively queer people and then build that or, or work with other people to build that. And then from there be like, what if there was a place that all week was open where queer people could come or Jewish people or any of this and use those little tangible ideas to create that pocket where you are welcome, you can be accepted.
0: Joe's been involved since the beginning, and while LM joined the board more recently, they've known each other almost their whole lives. Growing up, Joe and LM both had different relationships to being Jewish than they do now.
2: I, I wouldn't have considered myself Jewish growing up. The, the Jewishness is on my dad's side, so it wasn't until I met more radical, more, you know, yeah, more radical Jews that, that, I, that I even knew that that was a claim to Jewishness, you know what I mean? And I didn't know you were Jewish until, until, until much later. I talked about it all the time <laughs> when I was a child, I've, Joe. I made jokes about <laughs> it. I constantly talked about I've, it, okay? Uh, but, but there wasn't, because we, we grew up in, in Yorkshire. It was it was too rural for us to, to see any Jewish community at the way
3: I mean, my my Jewish history is complicated, but the general fact was it's always been a sort of shadow in my life, <laughs> but it was never a, um, a huge part of my upbringing or so. It was just gesture that but since i've moved away it's become like an actual mm. effort to be like let's let's engage engage let's test these waters <laughs> you know yeah i started eating kosher you know a while ago and uh, performing these rituals that were were kind of there but not really so uh, it helps engage
2: i don't know e- even if you know about jewishness growing up or like you, you have some connection to jewishness growing up it's like. It's it's something you hear from like a lot of people who even have like a like a what would you what you'd consider a traditional Jewish education. It's just that you, it it it, 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 sus- it suspiciously misses out on the the history of Jewish anarchism and like radical Jewish Jewish action and you know I mean so it's like it's just, it wasn't until I saw what that you know what that 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 lived kind of community could look like that, that I, I don't know, started to contemplate like whether I wanted to engage with my Jewishness and, and I did.
0: The Yiddish language focus of the cafe, where all written materials are provided in Yiddish as well as English, reflects the expression of Jewish identity that is more resonant with its founders. Morgan, or Misha, who co-founded the Pink Peacock with Joe, has a longer history with learning Yiddish and got Joe and LM into studying it too.
2: It was pretty clear to see that like that that, that interest in Yiddish was was a way to connect with, with a different kind of Jewishness. Um, and 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 since then, myself and yourself um, have been have been learning Yiddish from Misha, which has been really, uh, just for us. That's just been a, really quite a nice um, household thing. Like it's a nice thing we've been doing during the pandemic. I, I think that it's often simplified as as being a radical alternative to Hebrew, um, and Yiddish isn't without its baggage. But there is that. I think that, that I think that, that that simplification does to some degree. At least um, illustrate the appeal to 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 someone who who maybe hasn't seen the appeal of other kinds of Jewish life, more traditional kinds of Jewish life, because um, you know Yiddish is it's, it's it's the language that you see a lot of like you know Jewish anarchists would write in, and um and then and then making this making the space Yiddish, a large part of it was just noticing that while trying to learn Yiddish, that there wasn't a space for it that we wanted, and it's it's the same way as with the Jewish community stuff. It's just that you know there are no Queer Yiddish institutes just in the world, like there are—I I forget how many Yiddish institutes there even are in the world. Um, there's not many, right? Like it's 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 a, it's a it's a minoritized language, and like a lot of other minoritized languages, it's 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 hard to access. Um, and and we we've got a lot out of engaging with it, and we want to create a space that makes it easier for others to engage. With it.
0: As it's a cafe, food is an intrinsic part of the Pink Peacock the food itself, and the way they make it available reflect what the cafe is all about.
2: Where what we're doing with the cafe differs maybe from from some other food justice stuff is that we we, we talk about wanting to do things that are mutual aid as opposed to charity. Um, A lot of food justice is is very patronizing in its tone. There's a lot of um, places that that do like big bulk, you know, lentils and rice kind of stuff that'll fill you up and it it serves a good purpose because people need that. But like a lot of the way of delivering that to people if if you've if you've if you've ever had if you've ever had to accept that kind of charity, it, it, there's a there's, there's this patronising part of it that that is it's hard to get past. And so what we're trying to do is we wanted to we wanted to give people like a, a like a dignified way to not just access food, but to actually access what we'd call luxury food, right? Like to access things that's just that's nice and can be free. We we have a pay what you can model, but we allow for anonymity. So we, with all of the um, deliveries we did. We made it so that we couldn't see who paid what. There's, it's, 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 a, it's a preservation of someone's dignity.
0: Once the pink peacocks open, what's going to be on the menu? All vegan offerings inspired by Jewish dishes from across the diaspora.
2: I'm really, I've been really into like looking into what kinds of Jewish food we can do. My, my dad was, a, my dad was a cook um, and I've, I, I really enjoyed doing cooking. I do a lot of the cooking for the, for the cafe for the for the deliveries we did back when the when the pandemic first started it was a lot of a lot of beige um a lot of knishes and we did we did this kind of bejeweled kind of persian style couscous um and we did um lots of soups lots of borscht and like lots of this kind of you know eastern european uh root stuff um bagels obviously that's a that's going to be our staple it's a great staple to do because it's just it's, it's something that everyone loves and it's they're, they're, they're not, you know, they're, they're inexpensive to make, but they, they feel nice and they have, this, they have this degree of effort to them that, like, it doesn't just feel like filler food. It's, I love, I love, love Bibles. Um, and then different schmears, of course, you know, vegan locks, you know, vegan cream cheese, hummus, you know. I feel like Misha actually is, is much more into experimenting than I am. I, I'm, I, I, I really just like making the same thing over and over until I get it right. Um, um, but Misha made, made some babka recently. Oh my, I oh, revel, oh, complete revelation. Babka is fantastic. It's like, this is the perfect
3: dessert. I would have never had this before.
0: In terms of where the cafe's at now, they've been making lots of progress in their renovations. You can
3: definitely expect the cafe to be open as a takeaway space before a cafe. We, we, we're in that strange period where it's like, you can crack on, but also COVID.
0: For now, the Pink Peacock has lots of online events, often around Jewish holidays and showcasing queer artists. They recently hosted a Purim Cabaret and a Trans Liberation Seder for Passover. They also host regular digital Havdalah gatherings to mark the end of Shabbat in community.
2: We're in kind of a fortunate position in which we were were always planning to do virtual events, even before COVID kind of hit, just because we want to build the physical space as a community space but also we want everyone to be able to access that
3: i think broadly speaking if there is a a a, a queer day or event or week or period or a jewish mm-hmm. celebration we'll be yeah. there in some capacity and um we'll, we'll be trying to,
2: trying to know, provide if, a community access
3: point yeah. yes
0: I hope we all get to visit the Pink Peacock post pandemic, and I can't wait to see how the space turns out. Bringing it back closer to home, I asked Carmel to imagine what a dedicated queer Jewish space could look like here.
1: Ideally, there shouldn't be the need to have an organization like JQD Vancouver. There shouldn't be a need for a Jewish LGBTQ nonprofit. There should be A Jewish community that is welcoming of all Jews, regardless if they're LGBTQ, Jews of color, disabled and whatnot, we should be able to have uh, a space at the, the, or feel safe to attend the Jewish Community Center. And so until then, I would say a separate independent space in a super accessible rad part of town that would be large enough to have a very, very long Shabbos table, one that all of us can come to with our families, with our blended families, with uh, same-sex marriages, um, to sit comfortably and break bread together over a Shabbat dinner. That would be absolutely
0: incredible. If you want to learn more about the Pink Peacock, follow along with the project or check out their online events. Here's how you can find them.
2: We are at the that's D-I-R-O-Z-E-V-E-P-A-V-E, which means Pink Peacock in Yiddish. So um, that's 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 us on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also, if you go to our website, which is PinkPeacock.Gay. Um, there's information about what the, where, the, where we are with the cafe, and you can find it. You can find our calendar. You can find all of our accounts there as well. We also have a Patreon, Patreon.com/slash PinkPeacock.
0: As for J-Cutie, they're gearing up for their annual celebration of Jewish Queer Trans Heritage Month, which will involve a series of events throughout May featuring J-Cutie artists and J-Cutie artists of color on their wall of artists. They'll be partnering up with the Miles Nadal Jewish Community Centre in Toronto for Pride Month in June, and then with the Sydney and Gertrude Zack Gallery at the Vancouver JCC for Pride celebrations in August. You can find them at jqtvancouver.ca, that's the letters J, Q, and T followed by Vancouver, on Instagram at jqtvan, and on Facebook and YouTube. Thank you Carmel, Joe, and LM for lending your voices and experiences to this episode, and thank you for listening. You can find more episodes of The Kitchen Stories at jewishmuseum.ca, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and a handful of other platforms. The Kitchen Stories is produced by the Jewish Museum and Archives of British Columbia on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and tsleil nations. See you next time!